Hola, mi gente. My name is Jessica Yanez, and I want you to join me for some wine and chisme. The Wine and Chisme podcast was created to amplify voices across communities of color, all while drinking a glass of wine. From wine talk, interviews, and recaps of all things pop culture, join me every Wednesday for the chisme. Please make sure to check out the Wine and Chisme podcast and other amazing podcasts as part of the Latina Podcasters Network. Reggae music, Billy. Why is it so important to you? Why do you love this genre of music so much? It is the worst Ooh, thing ever. Music. Mira, the worst thing. <laughs> Did you just say the worst thing? Get out of here. No, but you know, there's the icons. We love reggae music, you know. And you talk about people like Bob Marley or Bunny Whaler or King Tuffy or even like the or new Peter school Dutch, vibes. Or Peter Dutch, Israel Still Pulse, and the list goes Where on. Where did the love for reggae music come into play for you? Oh, basically just being born and raised in Puerto Rico. And that was the first music genre that I fell in love with. It was the first music genre that I was deeply involved with and exposed to. And in all sincerity, my teenage years, you know, revolved around going to concerts in amphitheaters all over the island, listening to reggae music. We would get Steel Pulse, um, Toots and the Matals, eh, The Wailers, eh, eh, you name them, and they Israel Vibrations, eh, Black Uhuru, all of them. We would get constantly to play in Puerto Rico. So that wow. was really my my first experience going to live music was listening to reggae and obviously being born on an island. It went with the vibe. It went with the geography of, of where I was born and raised and, you know, going to surf contest and not because I was a surfer, but because, you know, I had a lot of surfer friends or dated surfers and that's <laughs> all that. It was part of the culture. See, you know, I was late to the game, I think. Obviously, I knew of Bob Marley since way back. I obviously had to get you know, the the legend compilation as a kid and when I started DJing because, you know, those are the hits. But it wasn't really until I got to KCRW and this was in the late 90s when we started doing stuff at the Hollywood Bowl for our World Festival series and we started with Reggae Night and we've had everybody come through, you know, Barrington Levy, Bunny Whaler, you know, all the Marleys, of course, Ziggy, Steven, you right. name it. Mm -hmm. And and now that's the one constant that we've had every year that we've done a world festival show at the bowl. And we're now into 22. Wow. That's every amazing. year that I've been to KCRW, we've, we've had the world festival series because it kind of started around that time. And there's always been a reggae night and it goes to show that that's the constant, that there's so much love for this music. And I can see you growing up with it in Puerto Rico. I mean, I was obsessed. I was obsessed with reggae. Like my, all of my cassettes and CDs were reggae cassettes and CDs. <laughs> I had posters of Bob Marley in my room. My yeah. dad would always be like, I don't understand why you listen to this music. It all sounds the same. <laughs> and I was like, can't you listen to the lyrics? Can't you like vibe to it? I was like, I genuinely to this point feel that if you don't like reggae music, there is inherently something wrong with you. Totally, because it's this very 
happy sound. It's yeah. all about peace, love, happiness, togetherness. And it's so inviting and it's accessible. You know, it's like, how could you not groove to it? Like you said, the vibe of yeah. reggae music. And even when you get DJs from back in the day where, yes, every instrumental sounded the same, but then you get people doing toasting over it. And that was the difference, the lyrics, the vibe, the groove. You know, it's really cool stuff. It's really, really cool. You know, when you say like you got laid into reggae music, I got laid into hip hop because hip hop was not a sound that you listen to in Puerto Rico. We would listen mm. to rock en español, you know, the top 40 that we would get from the US or Europe. Um, but then a lot of reggae, but hip hop and rap was not really part of uh, my childhood. Yeah, I can see that and hear that and relate to that, you know, because... Even like today, there's bands that we both know and love, like Ozo Motley, and even they connected with somebody like Sly and Robbie right, for their yeah. collection, where they did kind of like dub and reggae versions of a bunch of classics like Mana, Café Tacuba, and Juan Gabriel, you name it. <laughs> and they just flip these classics, even the Santana track. And you can see how it's really influential into so many different styles, so many different genres, which is why we were very happy and excited to have our next guest on. And Pachi Man embraces all of that and he really exudes all that. And being from Puerto Rico, I can see that you two had this very cool connection. Oh, for sure, yes. So Pachi Garcia, better known as Pachi Man, is a talented producer and multi-instrumentalist born in Puerto Rico, and he's based here in L.A. And, uh, you know, his sound is like reviving kind of like that classic roots dub reggae sound. And he's just a master of like vintage vibes and positive energy. And it was so cool to have him at this Maker's Mark Presenta Pilitao en la Musica live from the Gibson showroom in Hollywood, just so he could share a little bit more about his influences, you know, because prior to this project, Pachiman, that has taken off in only four years, he used to have a band that was way more heavier, like garage punk sound, you know, totally. so... Totally. We get to talk about his evolution as an artist, about this project, about Puerto Rico and how it influenced his sound and how he's just becoming the king of dub. And being based in Los Angeles, again, it goes back to getting all these different influences coming into his vibe and into his music. And yes, record it live in front of an audience. So great to be back in front of people and here at the Gibson showroom. I got to say, Billy, as soon as we announced that we were going to have Pachi Man and we started throwing out the feelers out there, everybody came out of the woodworks. Everybody came out of hiding and said, Pachi Man, <laughs> yes, I want to be there. And we've had some amazing live events. We've had Domino Saints. We've had Car La Morrison. We've had some really, really big names. And obviously, Pachi's been around for a while, but he's really kind of up and coming with this, yeah, like you said, sure. only four years. Mm -hmm. So it was really cool to see the energy and the interest and the excitement of everybody coming out. We even had the grandson of the founders of Maker's Mark, because now our episodes are presented en vivo 
courtesy of Maker's Mark. Jose Vargas, big shout to you for bringing <laughs> the grandson of the founders of Maker's Mark to be there. What they an had honor. some of the crew from Seattle, San Diego, yep. and they all understood the vibe and feeling the energy. And obviously, one of my favorite things when I talk to somebody that's up and coming and so inspired, like we talk about Bob Marley, King Tubby, uh, Black Uhuru, or any of these amazing, legendary reggae artists. But my favorite part, Billy, and I think you can relate to this, was I wanted to know what was his super group, who he would imagine to be like, I totally thought he was going to drop. Yeah, I want to have Bunny Whaler. I want to have Sly. I want to have Robbie. You know, what did he say? My friends. And I thought that was awesome because I've seen people like friends jam together and it's just so much fun. You know, it's so much fun to have your friends jamming with you and just coming up with weird shit. And I, I could totally see how that would be the most fun, just having your friends play with you. So why don't we get into this one, Billy? For sure. So in front of a full house at the Gibson showroom in the heart of Hollywood, here is Maker's Mark presenta Billy Raúl en la música with none other than Pachiman. Please give it up for Pachiman, everybody. Thanks for having me. Very excited to be here. We're excited to be in LA. We're really excited to have you, seriously, because we love your music and we love your Thank style you. and we love what you're doing with reggae music and dub music. And I think it's extremely necessary because as you and I know, we grew up in Puerto Rico, surrounded by reggae music. That was the first genre that I fell in love with when it comes to music. But let's start with your name. Where does Pachi come from? <laughs> Pachi was just like a nickname that I was given in high school. What's your real name? Because I know Garcia is your last name. but what's Francisco your... Jose Garcia Cruz is my full <laughs> name. <laughs> So Latino. <laughs> See, Francisco Jose uh, Garcia Cruz. See, we've talked Paco about this Pepe story before. The that, that I got gypped. I don't even have a middle name. It's just Raul Campos. I mean, that's Gip. not even Latino. Cheated. It's like Raul Campos. That's it. I was really confused though. Like this last name is in America. It's literally your last name, and it's like no, it's the one before the last name. <laughs> and whatever. it's like, what about your mom? What do you like mean? Your she, mom's last name. Well, she forgot to put my name, my middle name, on the birth certificate. Oh. That's really what happened. Oh. Sorry for laughing. <laughs> she forgot. <laughs> it was supposed to be Raul Isaac Campos. I like Isaac. Yeah, it has a nice ring yeah. to it. Right? But, you do have like an Isaac face. Well, there we go. Yeah. It's not about me today. It's about Mr. Yeah, yeah. Pachi Man here. You, you have a Pachi Man face. Yeah. Too. <laughs> well, my my legal um, nickname is Paco Pepe. Right, because okay. I'm Francisco Jose. Claro. And like a guy in high school was like, um, just gave me Pachi, basically. It was like, so, it was like I mean, the long story short was that my friend, we met another friend that his name was Michael Schminky, and I thought that name was really funny, and I would laugh, laugh every from time. From Puerto Rico? From Puerto Rico. Michael Schminky, de Parkville. Full, <laughs> Borigua. And I would Shout like, out to Michael Schminky. And I would laugh a lot. And then like my friend was like, we got to name you something with pa, with Schminky. So pa from Paco is she from Schminky. Oh. Not a lot of people know that. Now everybody in Los Angeles knows that. Now, now you all know. And everybody who's going to listen to the podcast forever and ever, because this will live forever and ever. 
Okay, growing up in Puerto Rico, yeah. and like I mentioned, we grew up listening to reggae, like that was what we listened to all True. the time. Yeah. Do you re recall the first time you fell in love with a genre? In, in general in or general. in with reggae or with any genre in with general? Reggae. With reggae was probably, I think I, f I fell in love little by little when Cultura Profetica put out the, the live record. They, they were playing it in the radio all the time. And there was a moment they would just play this medley. It's like medley from the first record. And they only, like, that medley is like 12, 15 minutes long, but they would play like a six minute part of the medley. And there is always a moment that there's this song that comes in. It's called Tempesta Tranquila and it has like a mood synthesizer. Yeah, and I was like, jam. damn, what's that sound? And that's, <laughs> that's was like the, it was little by little that I was like, ah, it's okay. And then little by little, I was just like, damn, every time we would come out, I'm like, This is the this is the part. This is the part. And that was like and then eventually I got obsessed with that band. As you, yeah. So those of, of you who might not be uh, familiar with Cultura Profetica, it's a reggae band from Puerto Rico, but now it's ginormous in all of Latin America. It's one of the biggest Latin reggae bands out there and they've been playing for over 20 years. They I recently think. played LA, right? Yeah, yeah. the 27th they yeah. played here. And you can listen to their story on because we've interviewed them so I just wanted oh, to no plug way. in yep, yep. that episode nice that was the one I fell in love with that and then like a friend of mine I, I took classes de verano like summer school, summer school. Um, a bunch of times And I met uh -oh. this guy that loved music too. And we were like exchanging CDs and he had that CD. And I'm like, oh man, can I like take that? And he's like, yeah, have this too. And he gave me like a King Toby, what I don't even know. Oh, it was an Augustus Paulo record and a King Toby record. And that kind of like just like changed everything. I was like, wow, and this music is crazy. And your first instrument was piano, right? My first instrument technically was guitar. Okay. And But I dropped it. I was just like, I wasn't good at it. And I started playing piano because I got obsessed with reggae. That was like my first official instrument. And then I started playing bass. And those were my two main instruments for a long time. Yeah. Wow. Well, there, there's so many genres and styles that come into what is reggae and dub music. I mean, it, it's really just this mesh of so many styles. You know, there's the funk element, you know, so many different things that come into play. But specifically for you, what other styles influence your sound? I mean, I was really into punk when I was a kid, and I like also went to hell yeah, and I was would also go to like ska shows when I was like like younger, and with my friends around the same time that I started playing reggae, we used to have like a lot of ambient um, kind of like small groups that would just play in local pubs, and it was just like kind of like noise and ambient stuff, so. Those were like the main things that I was doing. And then like we got obsessed with Can. I don't know if you all know that mm -hmm. German band Can. Oh yeah, Can rules. And then we were like do a lot of experimental stuff like that. So those were like the kind of like the music that I was consistent, consistent, consistently just like being exposed to and also trying to play out in Puerto Rico. And you actually moved to LA in 2012? Yeah, yeah. Why LA? Because I mean, geography has a lot to do with... Um, sounds that you put out as a musician. Absolutely. And Puerto Rico being in the Caribbean, there is a specific sound that has to do with the wave, with the coqui, yeah. with like what surrounds us, with the like geography the island that life. surrounds us. Yeah. LA is a little different. It's very different. Um, I don't really know why LA was the thing. We had another band in Puerto Rico for a long time that we were dedicating, me and my friends, And we were like really dedicated to it. And for some reason, we, we wanted to like eventually leave Puerto Rico because 
we knew that we were going to hit that. Like, it's kind of really easy to hit the ceiling in the music world in Puerto Rico. So we wanted to, like, kind of, like, go to a different community and kind of, like, expand from there. And for some reason, L.A. was, like, the place. I don't even know, right? In retrospect, so like, it's, Miami, like... not Miami, not New York. No. <laughs> yeah, it was just, like, to go to a place that there was, like, music that was kind of related to what we were doing, which was, like, kind of, like, this experimental post-rock, whatever. And... For some reason, LA was like, oh yeah, all the bands are there, right? Cool, yeah, that's the place. Then my girlfriend at the time, she's now my wife, she went to LA to study um, illustration. And when she went ahead, I was like, okay, this is the time. I could go ahead and start the whole move. Of course, the band broke up. Like, I made it. And my friend with, like, Marcos made it with me, but the half of the band stayed and they're, you know, they were like, okay, well, bye. And that's the end of that band. <laughs> So you, you get to L.A. and knowing like what you just mentioned, there's so many great bands and artists that come here. But there's also some fantastic labels like Stone's Throw, which is Peanut Butter Wolf or Innovative Leisure, which is Jamie Strong. Who of all these people kind of helped you and lent a hand to to really kind of like get your music out there? I mean, I feel like a lot of it has to do with like the community of the musicians that were like, that I kind of like started hanging out with. I started hanging out with a lot of people in Echo Park and all these venues that were just like doing kind of like psychedelic rock and like the garage rock scene that was happening at the time. I feel like everyone helped out in a way because, you know, people just like kind of if you were like, I started another band eventually called Prettiest Eyes with a guy that came from me from Puerto Rico. And we played, we started playing and people started noticing. So people were lending hands. Hmm. I feel like we built bridges like with a lot of different either booking agents or like uh, venue owners or eventually like label people as well. Like previous Tides eventually got signed to Castle Face Records, which was uh, John Dwyer's label from the OCs. And that was like another bridge that like built like another whole, like, I don't know, like another web of connections you know and like we always we you know i don't i like being nice to people and like hanging out with people like genuinely that's, so it's that's not usually like this, a good thing huh that's usually a good thing yeah being absolutely nice people, yeah when yeah. we're nice to people you yeah. know people want to help you out and like so we we kind of i just like always kept in contact with a lot of these friends and eventually little by little started like kind of working itself out yeah, and I mentioned Stone's Throw, and Peanut Butter Wolf, who runs Stone's Throw, also has a fantastic bar called The Gold Line. You have a song called The Gold Line. You work as a bartender at The Gold Line as <laughs> yeah, well. To this day, yes. <laughs> Actually, yeah. So now you there, know yeah. if you ever want to go and get a if drink from yeah, Pachi. Yeah, if you want to make me work, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but see, it's that charm, it's that charisma that a bartender or a mixologist can have with the patron, you know? So yeah. did it ever come up where somebody, you know, ordering a drink, realized that you were Pachi Man. <laughs> yeah, definitely. It, didn't, it happened a bunch of times. They're like, they would be like, oh shit. And I'm like, hey, what's up? What can I get for you? And they're like, you're Pachi. And I was like, yeah, I got it. Like, what can I get for you? Like, yeah, we're really busy we right now. We got like man. 20 other people yeah. waiting behind you. <laughs> I felt bad most of the times, but sometimes it's like, you know, what about the, the What about the first time that happened? Uh, I don't remember the first time it happened. I probably like my heart rate went up. I was probably like, <gasps> Do you recognize like, me? Oh my oh god, no. I'm making it. Oh no. Finally, I'm being recognized. Yeah, truly. <laughs> but just so everybody gets a better perspective, Prettiest Eyes, his band prior to Pachiman, you were you were part of Prettiest Eyes for about 10 years, which is a pretty long time. Is it been and, 10 years now? And it was like <laughs> garage, punk, yeah. kraut rock, like it Synth was punk, heavier. Yeah. 
Absolutely. Which, when it comes to like challenging the status quo and the sociopolitical themes, it is similar to reggae, but the sound, Absolutely, like yeah. sonically, it's very different. Yes. I mean, in a way, sonically, yeah, it's different. I feel like a lot of it could be similar. I feel like sonically it's because we live in like a different era of recording qualities that wasn't like back in the day, but that's like nerd shit. We don't have to get into that. No, we but love I, nerd shit, so get into it. <laughs> I feel like also like philosophically and also like as as music, both punk and reggae and all these genres did they they're kind of cut from the same cloth you know it's like how you said it's like challenging like what people are used to playing and used to hearing and i feel like in a way it all kind of meshes in together you know like a lot of like those jamaican cats that made all this reggae eventually influenced a bunch of people in the uk to like fuse reggae in a way that made sense to into the punk scene and they did it like very very like tastefully as well you know yeah I feel like it kind of all comes from the same world, you know, especially production wise. Reggae was like the first thing, like reggae dub and all this, uh, all the stuff that they did kind of was just like eventually like it seeped into every studio in the world. Mm. And it started through punk. It was, they were like the first ones that were like, yeah, shit's dope as fuck. I mean, apart from the rest of the world was like dancing and vibing, but like punk really saw like what else was there mm-hmm. that other people maybe didn't see at the moment. And you're seeing all these different sounds and influences come into the music. And, you know, there's great artists that have really kind of shaped the sound. How are you making like the dub and reggae sound your own? Like what, how are you making it unique and different? Maybe it's like, you know, I've been in bands 25 years of my life. And I feel like everything that I've learned throughout this process of being in different bands and playing with Prettiest Dice and before when I was in Puerto Rico doing all the other stuff, it all kind of seeped in, you know, like I'm always trying to like put my little mark on whatever music I'm trying to create. And with reggae, it's like such an open canvas. There's so much you could do to like make it its own thing or my own thing in a way that works. It's a lot of experimentation, a lot of failed experiments, that's for sure. And my hard driver is filled with (laughs) failed experiments. But, you know, when you find like the things that work, it's really exciting. And when other people listen to it and they like it, it's like, dude, hell yeah, this is the best. Better than being recognized at the bar. (laughs) (laughs) For sure. <laughs> Talking about like finding and experimenting, I know that one of your hobbies is to go to vintage stores and buy unique old instruments and synthesizers. When you go back home and you plug in this old instrument, I'm sure a lot of them sound like shit, but some hey. of them might sound really cool. Do you yeah. feel like the sound finds you or you find the sound? I mean, you have to really finesse. When when it comes, when you find something that sounds like shit, you can kind of tweak it around in a way. You, you find its application. You find the proper application so for it. So you don't it. give up? No, I've given up on shit. That's for sure. <laughs> I've given <laughs> up on things. I'm like, I'm done. I'm done fixing this thing and keep breaking or like... I'm done like trying to make this mixing board work or, you know. So, yeah, there's things that I've left in the past, but there's other things that kind of like resurface because it's like I kind of liked how it sound, even though it gave me a big, head- a big headache. So I would just I will find a way that it works. I'm trying to eliminate the, um, the amount of shit that I buy now. <laughs> <laughs> oh, 
Where do you want to go? No, I'm sure okay. it's like I'm sure it's very interesting <laughs> to like, go to your studio and see like all these random vintage instruments and it must be really cool. I mean, it's it's a vibe. It's a it's a nice place it's to hang. And I mean, a lot of things don't work from time to time. So sometimes you know, there's like that always that machine, that tape machine in the corner that doesn't work at every studio. My mind's not no different, you know. But I love that you play everything on your music. You're the I virtuoso, do. you know. You you play the drums, uh, you play guitars, that. bass, keys, you name it, even percussion instruments. But if you wanted to assemble that like amazing backing band or the super group, if you will, of all these artists, who would be in that band now? I don't know. Whoever plays, <laughs> whoever is good at playing, and whoever I like, I like playing with my friends. I like playing with people that I enjoy being around, you know, like not the hired guns thing, you know, it's just like mostly enjoy. And I know so many artists and cool people that I've worked with in the past. I don't have like a particular set of super groove people right now, but I have been playing with two friends of mine uh, recently. I actually did the first show with a trio at, at Levitation in Austin like a couple of days ago. And I have this drummer, uh, Robin McMillan, and my friend Jordan Brooks on bass. And even though they've never played this style before they got it really fast which is very impressive like the, the, those are the virtuosos not me I had a lot of time to like figure it out they had like six rehearsals and they were like in it I'm like damn they're good you know you you're taking dub to a different level and are any of you familiar with dub music by any chance any reggae fans here dub is a very specific I like the slow nods we were like uh -huh, the like, slow nods exactly. <laughs> or just the head pop. That's a dub nod. <laughs> that's that's reality. It Those goes are the heads. with the vibe. Right. It's a very specific niche. For sure. Yeah. I mean, it is. Absolutely. It's a very specific niche. But, like, I feel like it's 50 years old by now. Like, people, a lot of people know it. <laughs> it, it is niche. Because it's, like, you know, instrumental. And, I mean, when it comes to, like, music history, 50 years is actually not that long either. True. Yeah. But I feel like it is niche in the way where it's like, but at the same time, there's so many, like, so many people he, like know it and listening to listen to it that to me it was actually when I started the project, it was kind of like obvious for me to try to do this because I knew so many people that listen to this shit but never talk about it. Right. But I know that a lot of my friends were like, oh, dude, yeah, I have that record, but they don't yeah. really talk about it that much. It's I mean, interesting. E even some of the iconic dub producers. You know, produce so many other well-known artists, and I'm talking people like Sly and Robbie, Mad Professor. That yeah. that these are the icons of kind of that genre, and they're still making music. I mean, you know, Mad Professor is still rocking, you know, and yeah. DJing and doing stuff. Obviously, we lost you know one of the members of Sly and Robbie, but you know, yeah, there there's still that just that legacy of this sound. Yeah, absolutely. I love that Grace Jones was like you too, Sly and Robbie. Yeah, my Come man. With me. <laughs> Where do you want to take us with your music? Uh, I don't know. I don't even know where I want to take myself. <laughs> <laughs> I'm still like experimenting. Like I'm still figuring it out. You know, like I. I mean, it's I a did fairly new project. It's a fairly new project. It's like four years old by now. I did the foundation really early. Roots Radix Channel One at Scientist kind of vibe, which is very niche, but not really. And like <laughs> I kind of expanded from there. I tried my my Studio One era, and now I'm going into my Lee Perry Black Arc era. So it's always niche, right? But I'm trying to like just be. I'm trying to fuse all my influences in a way in a way that makes sense. I don't know. I kind of want to make a louder record. I want to do a, a visceral oh, cool. record. I don't know, but that's like me thinking out of my ass right now. 
But yeah, but you're kind of like, I can see the transition because you and I were talking about the fact that oh, yeah. he, he didn't have any lyrics before. No, the evolution of your sound has already come a long way, even in the few albums that you've done as Pachi Man. You know, and, and now, you know, previously, most of your work was instrumental. And now you, on this new album, Switched On, which is fantastic. It's thank phenomenal. You. If you guys haven't heard it, just thank came out you, a couple you. months ago, Switched On by Pachi Man. It's phenomenal. Check out my record, Switched On by Pachi Man. It's out right now. <laughs> But you have Thank singers you. now. Thank you. You have vocalists featured. There is some vocals. Yeah, I wanted to try my, my hand at it. I think I figured it out. But it's like very minimal too. I like wanted to use my vocals more as a texture, more than as, as a lead instrument. And kind of like build from that. You know, I wasn't, to be completely honest, I didn't want it to like all of a sudden be a singer. Because I'm like, if I'm listening to an artist that is mostly experiment, like instrumental, sorry, I would, and all of a sudden they start singing, I'll be like, Okay, sure, but I was listening to your instrumental stuff. So I'm like little by little kind of creeping in there, you know. It's a, it's a weird world, singing. Oh. <laughs> Have you been surprised by your sudden success? Which is weird. Let I'm me, successful? Let me, you are successful. Yeah. But actually, let me take... And he's let, modest. Let, let me retract. And he's humble. I let, mean, yes. Let, let me retract. Not on the successful part, because I do think you're, you're, but on the sudden, because you've been, I've been grinding at it for 20, at, yeah, you have, you have. So we were talking about that. I've rewind. been doing this for 25 years. <laughs> In the true reggae sense, rewind. Yeah. Not sudden success. No. But I mean, this is a fairly new project. New And you're already right? doing like, like KCRW, NPR, like big outlets are yeah, listening to you. a lot of touring as well. A lot of touring, like you're off to Europe now, Australia. New Zealand. Are you surprised by it? I mean, yeah, that definitely, all of it, I mean, yes, in that sense, yes, it is very surprising because this project started as a little thing that I was doing in my bedroom, like in my basement. For those who don't know, like I record all the shit that you, that, uh, on those records in the basement of my house with like And all of the crap. instruments are... Him. Yeah. So, yes, it's very surprising that all of a sudden I started this little project that was instrumental. And all of a sudden people were like, oh, that's that rules. And I'm like, really? This? Like, out of, <laughs> wow, sick, cool. And then I'm going to keep doing it, I guess. <laughs> you know. So, yes, it is very surprising. Was it ever the opposite? Like, did, did, did you ever have, like, naysayers? Like, like, nah, man, don't do that. Come on, stick to what you no, were doing. No, never. It was really weird. No one said anything negative about it, which is kind of sus, but <laughs> it's like there has to be something wrong with this. You're like, give me some naysayers. <laughs> yeah. Be careful what you wish for me. Yeah, I know. I don't, yeah. yeah. Let's talk about nah, humor, nah. too. Have any of you seen any of his videos? They're oh, funny. check out the videos. They are fun, fun, like, very creative the videos. Music ones or the, like the music videos? Yeah. Or like the, you yeah. dancing, man. <laughs> it's hilarious. You're like... They are pretty funny. The, the whole look, though, also yeah, has hilarious. a very yeah, kind of retro vibe and style. Yeah, yeah. Was so, that intentional or...? Oh, yeah. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I like that, that style and normally as when I see it like on other people doing it and like... I love the, how that old aesthetic looks like. That whole VHS kind of soundstage, kind of cheesy but like serious at the same time. Yeah, love that. Well, as I feel like as a viewer and as, and as a listener, it's really cool to see you having fun with it. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. You know, so that humor factor adds a lot to it. Yeah, I don't take myself too serious. No, clear, it's very clear and we love that about yeah. you. <laughs> so now I think it's time for... Yeah. Um, 
your so, questions. Yeah, well, first of all, let's this give it up once again for Pachi Man, everybody. Put your hands together for Pachi Man. See? Nobody said anything about a Q&A. Oh, there's a Q... Well, it's like a written Q&A. It's like... It's, it's kind of... It's a fun Q&A. It's a different kind of Q&A. Juanito, please give it up for Juanito. He's worked his ass off. You like our Maker's Mark barrel? Pretty cool, too, right? Yeah, fancy. Oh, so the questions are in the barrel? In the barrel. <laughs> Actually, you, you pick them. Yeah, you pick up. <laughs> oh, wow. Do I have to... Oh, we'll read it. We'll read it. Pass it on. Those are big-ass questions. Oh, I see. So people actually wrote these. Yes. What was a happy accident? Ooh, that's a good one. That's a great question. Who, who wrote that? Oh, Anonymous. Anonymous. I love those. Tiger. You should have oh, written Tiger. Thank you for that question. I love accidents in music. I swear that every time there's an accident, I try to embrace it. I mean, not every time, but most of the time, an accident, I'm always like, oh. And I am always trying like, to use it. Actually, there's many accidents that happen on the record that end up being like, I love that wouldn't have happened if I would have tried to do that. So I am a huge embracer of accidents in, in the record. Give us an example of one from this record. Well, I got an example for this ah. record. Um, and um, Sal El Sol has a break in the middle of the song that goes, pops, 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 and it's like some chords. I was like, whatever. This is just because I'm probably going to edit this out and write something over it. Continued recording the rest of the song. And when I got to that point, I would always kind of just play over whatever I played. So it was just like, it never was something that was supposed to be part of the song. It was just like me, I played that on drums and I did this on guitar and it became part of the song. I still don't know if I like it, <laughs> but, it but I think that it, it's not bad. I feel like, ah, oh, that works. And that was one, of, one example of a happy accident. How is it as an artist when you hear your song and you're like, oh, Great you're question. cringing at the part that you don't love? If you're cringing? I mean, you just, you put it out there. You put the song out there, but you're saying like, I, I still don't know if I love that part. Well, yeah. I mean, if I'm like, I can't do this, then I, I definitely go. won't go. But if it's like, eh, I kind of like it, but I don't. Kind of vibes. Okay, cool. Let it roll. Yeah. And if I listen it, and if it doesn't, like, I feel like when it, it gets cringe if you're like constantly listening to it and it's like, dude, I can't have that there. That definitely will go out, but when you, that part um, never did. When you record a song, do you only listen to it in your studio or do you go to like different rooms in your cars to listen how, how, how it sounds in different atmospheres? Um, towards the end, when I'm mixing, when I'm mixing the record. I don't, actually, I don't actually listen to the music outside of like, I mean, I do just to like make sure that all the recordings are right because I'm obsessive like that. I'm like, you just make sure that. And so I play it in the car or whatever. Only when I'm mixing. It's when I go to three different sources. My speakers downstairs, my misala, my, 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 my living room, and my wife's car. Because you know what it's supposed to sound like in there. Yeah, always <laughs> and then outside, and then I'm back in the studio. You never and with then headphones. We're huh? Never with Como que no te headphones. Only when I'm about to go to sleep. But I don't really. It never really changes much. Changes things sometimes. But we have another one. Let's okay. try one more. Okay. Great question. Okay. All right. What's uh, the next one? Do your songs come fast and all at once, or do they take time? Great question. Some of them kind of just. I mean, with Jesse, Jesse, who's Jesse? Jesse. Jesse. <laughs> Great question. I feel like my first three records were just like finishing songs and continuing whatever. And then like I would compile everything and then choose the best or whatever. This record, I kind of like took a little bit more time because I wanted to write demos 
and be and and like see what like what I liked. Like I would just like listening to a one shot demos and whichever demo I would like cons- consistently gravitate towards. Those are the ones that I ended up going into the studio and recording them. In the I feel like I've and through all my journeys of different bands that I've been in my life, it always starts this way. It's like the first three years I write and write and write and write and they come really fast and then all of a sudden everything gets I don't know if it's because people are paying attention or it's because I'm running out of ideas but things start getting like I feel like since I don't want to repeat myself I'm always like oh shit what do I do now so they I start kind of taking a little bit more time I kind of want to break that spell I don't know how to break that spell right now but I mean the only way to break the spell is to just write as much as I can, which is what I'm trying to do at the moment. Just like kind of go back to what I was doing, which was just like writing songs and throw it away. And next one and next one and just compile the best of, you know, in a way that makes sense. I think the evolution should come naturally, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I feel, yeah, evolution comes naturally, mm-hmm. you know. And how is your writing process? Like, do you get an idea, you write it down, to La Musa Te Llega, and you're inspired? Like, what's your writing process like? Um, it changes a lot. It used to be a lot of just me sitting down on the drums and write and, like, layering stuff. I started, I, when I bought the, like, a Korg Poly 800, which is a synthesizer that's all over the new record, I would just sit down on that and write a lot of uh, on it. I would, like, sometimes write on guitar. It kind of changes all the time. Okay. Sometimes I hear something that someone's like, if I'm like writing a lot and then I take a break and then I go on my phone and I'm like digging around and I hear something that I really like, I'm like, okay, I put my phone away and I run into the, ba- to, into the basement and I try to recreate something like that, but Pachiman style. Mm. That's what is, been, uh, what is Pachiman style according to Pachiman? Pachiman, no sé. Pachiman. Pachiman. I love how the accent just kicked in. It's Pachiman. Pachiman. It's sitting down on the drum kit and figuring it out and, like, and layering shit until I, I'm uh, tired of it. I mean, I'll hold the bucket. Okay, right. next question. What was the first piece of gear you were proud to own? Ooh. One. That's a very so geeky question. I love having <laughs> smart audience, which is you guys. Thank you for the good questions. Yeah. 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 Give good yourself questions. a big round of applause. Who is this, Diego? Great Diego. question. Diego. Oh, that's because he's oh, Diego course, from, making from Making Movies, movies. which yeah. we've also interviewed. Yeah, there yeah, you go yeah. in the back, with, which also interviewed on Pilito de la Musica, an amazing band from Kansas. Gracias. Kansas Thanks for being here. Hell yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, <laughs> Like, I mean, it's kind of geeky, but uh, the my, I'm very proud of my 73 new beat Siljan hi-hats and my 69 super Ludwig superphonic snare. Those are like the right. only things that I Drummer care about. Drummer Gio in the house will be like yeah. wooing about that. Yeah. We, have, we have some drummers in the house, yes. Of course, they know. They know what's they up. They know. They know. Those yeah, are the we, only we things that I up. care about, honestly. <laughs> <laughs> Everything else can like, whatever. But those two things are like the sound of Pachiman, I feel like. I just oh. gave out the secret sauce. Should we do Wait. one more? Or, yeah, but I kind of want to read. Yeah, so there's a couple other things down at the these, bottom. These cards, which hopefully all of you filled out, there's two parts to them, right? It's a question for the artist. And then the other question is, tell us, what are you doing today to make your mark on the future? I and see what you did there. What did Diego, Diego say? Diego from Making Movies said, representing my black and Latino culture so, eh? through music and community. Thank Dímelo, you for that. Yeah. And Jesse, who you had the question earlier, says, doing things that stretch and scare me and being the change I want to see. Hell yes. 
deep yes. and profound. I love it. And I know you both, and you both are making a mark <laughs> in this world. So thank. Should you. we do one more? Claro. All right, let's do one. Okay, Pass no. it over. One more. One more. Okay. ¿Qué artista te gustaría colaborar? Ah, oh, diablo, no sé. RDJ, gracias por esa pregunta. All right, what artist do I want to collaborate with? I was recently at Levitation kicking it with Say She She, and I can't feel like, damn, I, we should write him to, because PJ is a good friend of mine, so I'm like, we should do like a lover's track with Say She She. Say She She is an sick. amazing trio women that are doing just phenomenal. They they sound very 70s disco chic style, yeah. Nile Rodgers, but yeah, I'm glad yeah, you bring definitely. them up. And I love John Carl Kirby. I would love to do something with them, actually. So you're talking that Stones Throw crew again, you know? It's like, you, True. You, that there's that family, there's that that Highland Park family, that that East Side. Yeah, very, very it, communal. It, it very comes into play vibe. quite a bit with you. Yeah. yeah, I mean, it's like a lot of, I love a lot of those, the artists that are on Stones Throw, they're like very fresh ideas always. So I'm like. And how did ATO come about then? Um, through my, I mean, the long story would be, keeping it short. Um, I was running out of ideas to pitch my record to, and I don't know, I'm sure that you, a lot of you are familiar with Ife and Oturamun, who is like the leader of that band. When he moved to New Orleans, we had, we normally, when we like grab a call on the phone, because we've collaborated a lot, and we like have this read, we always talk for like two hours nonstop. And I was like, man, I'm run, running out of ideas to pitch the record, and I feel like I'm just gonna put it out and whatever. And he's like, have you heard of ATO? I'm like, no. He's like, you haven't heard of Adrian Quesada and Black Pumas and Nick Hakim and blah, blah, blah. I'm like, no. And it was through that that he was like, man, you should reach out. And we reached out, and they were like, hey, let's grab a call. Like, nice. Yes. And it all came together. No, Big ATO's shout out to Mark, my manager that made it happen. God damn it, Mark. You're the it, fucking you, best. Thank you. You landed at a great home. You landed at a great home. So congratulations on that. Congratulations on the record. Everything that you've been doing, man. Just continued success. Give it up for Pachi Man, everybody. Thank you. Thank you, Los Angeles. Gracias a ustedes. There you have it, ladies and gentlemen. That was Maker Smart. Presenta Pili Raúl en la música straight yeah, man. from... Yaman, yeah, yes I, <laughs> I, I. <laughs> Straight from the Gibson showroom on Sunset Boulevard con Pachi Man. It was such a great night. It was so, just like full of good vibes because that's what reggae music dub and his story bring to the table. And having a jam-packed house, feeling that energy with Pachi Man. There's nothing better than being in the public with everybody and really enjoying what Billy Raul and La Musica is all about. And if you want to be at one of our next events definitely connect with us follow us on instagram at pili la musica send us a message and we will connect that way and send you an invite to an up and coming one right mira it's not because it's our event but in all sincerity these are such unique opportunities to get a chance to see one of your favorite artists or someone that's up and coming that you might want to know more of in person live being interviewed and then they get to play right in front of you so it's a very unique experience not a lot of people get to do this because it's invite only but you if you follow us on our socials make sure that if you're in the LA area or close by DM us And we'll make sure to get you on the next Maker Smart Presenta Pili Raúl en la Musica en vivo. You'll thank us later. 
Yeah, and thanks to Maker's Mark, of course, for providing the the very delicious cocktails. Oh my God, the they were food. so good! <laughs> in this case, they were inspired by Puerto Rico, and so was the food. Y yo me lo gocé todito porque estaba divino. And we even celebrated your birthday, Philly. That's right. Happy birthday to me. That was so fun. Thank you so much for the surprise, by the way. I really appreciate it. Well, we all love you, Pili, and we wish you many, many more trips around the sun. So we will catch you on an upcoming edition of Maker's Mark Presenta, Pili, Raul, and La Musica. Bye-bye, Pili. Ciao.